Hi, I'm Xander, and we here at Geek Prime are very excited because after just a bit of a delay, Resident Alien finally premiered on Sci-Fi last night. Back in the before times, we got a chance to sit down on a roundtable interview with members of the cast and creative team. We posted the discussion with Sarah Tomko, who plays Astro 12 Trees, so look for that back in our feed a bit. Now we want to share the other interviews with you, starting with Alan Tudyk, who plays Harry the Alien. So, Alan, yes. all of the fantastic genre projects you've been involved with up to this point, what was the special ingredient about this genre project coming across your desk that stood out from maybe other ones you've been pitched around this time? Right. Just special. Um, I love the potential of him learning uh, in a world that's foreign to him. Everything. You know, from speech to movement. And we'll get to see some of that in the, you know, him, his learning slowly how to how just to walk that's gonna be that's that's exciting very exciting to me to get to do bad walking (laughs) terrible sitting down like just get me a chair and we'll turn on the camera and he can't sit down yet try to sit down and be bad at it that is just thrilling to me uh so that that playing the the fish out of water character in uh in this world is it's something I'm really looking forward to. And it's such a cool world. It was great. Did y'all get to see it just now? Did y'all get to watch it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm really struck about how, how... It's not a simple world. You know, the people have dimension. The other characters have so much dimension. And reading forward, as I've had the benefit of doing, because... We're going to have all of our scripts written before we start shooting for the season. Um, every character has their own arc going on in the story, and it continues that way. It's amazing. Everybody is invested in it, so you can... Um, it's, it's, it's not a flimsy story. It, it, it has depth, and getting to be the character in the middle of it who is the one watching and reacting to everything is... is uh, I feel really fortunate. Would you, sorry. Would you say that he's actually as smart as he thinks he is? That he's really smarter than all the people? Or not so much? Not so much, yeah. He might be... No, he's absolutely not. I think that's one of the things that's endearing, is that he's dumb. He just makes mistakes, you know. He thinks he's so smart, but he... tries to give her a compliment and says, Pandas... <laughs> eat their babies so <laughs> that's the, that's his everything's gonna be fine uh, you know I didn't mean to call you a, a lizard that's how he says that's how he tries to be nice so he's he's pretty stupid and I like playing stupid characters well we get to see a little bit more of how his world is different than ours <laughs> I don't know he starts to talk I know I talk about it some where I am right now and so we'll get I guess more into that um, yeah probably um, so you're kind of the, the protagonist and the villain almost at the same time what's right. that like having to kind of balance that and be likable but also want to destroy it right 
it's 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 an interesting thing. It works when we when we watch it. But I mean, when we were shooting, I was like, so I'm gonna go kill the kid now. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> go kill the little boy. All good decisions on whiskey. Yeah, on whiskey. But that that helped. You know, the humor really you know takes the edge off of it. And then he flips him off at the end. He's just as much a child as he is. <laughs> and their relationship is one of my favorites in the script. It gets you know bigger. Um, it's great. It's a great. It's a great opportunity. I love. Uh, I love movies where the person at the center of the movies and I guess shows where the person at the center are kind of despicable people. On their on you know you could make the argument that they're a terrible person and yet you kind of root for them. And I think Harry's they, that uh, Chris has written a really great character like that. And I'm really glad to get to play. The show is based on the Dark Horse comics. Right. Um, how much of the series will be um, paralleling that the comic storyline and character arcs, or is it kind of going to a different direction, just loosely basing it on the comic book itself? I think it's. I think it's loosely based. It is loosely based. There are there are definitely things in characters that are the same and have the same backstory, but moving forward, they take those stories into different a different direction. The, the comic does more of. Uh, like you kind of buttons things up fairly nicely, whereas there's very long prop, um, like the the death of of the doctor that we have in the pilot episode. I think in the comics that gets resolved by the second comic or something. So that's going to be something that takes the season to hopefully get to the bottom of. So that that's that's where the those are the changes that have been made. It isn't, it isn't changing the world so much. It'll be like change the location, but it doesn't change what the world is. It just makes it gives it an insular, you know, feeling uh, in the mountains of Colorado. But stretching things out in a storytelling way that fits this mode of storytelling better than a comic. You've had a pretty storied history in your professional career, and that being said, even things that we love sometimes it, it sometimes feels like a chore. How do you keep your? Mm -hmm. How do you maintain your passion? Right. <laughs> uh, I just did a play. That was great. That's how. That's how I. That's how I used to do it, and I just did it again. I just did a play for the first time in a while. And it really woke up a whole lot in me, like, wow, this whole putting on a show feeling that you don't feel when you're doing TV and movies, of full-on putting on a show, like, there's a show tonight, and you're going to put it on, there are people backstage, and you hand something off, and somebody hands you a thing, you turn around, grab a drink of water, walk back on, and now you're a new character. And then, like, and the, how's the house, all of that stuff, you know, what's the audience like tonight, all of that. It was. It woke up uh, the thrill of performing in me that I was what I first sought out when I was a young person, uh, getting into acting. But it's this is this show is fantastic. I there's collaboration in this, and to have a character that has that has so much play playfulness in it, that there's so much room to play with in, uh, inside of it. That's that's why I keep saying it's such a I feel so lucky to get to do this. I really do, to get to play the guy, to play Harry. You know, there's, there's when we're gonna see him trying to learn to put on a tie, and um, 
his flawed thinking. Uh, he's killed a man. He's got to get that body. He's <laughs> and the body looks like him. Nobody can find this body. It really gives away the game. That's something that's hanging out there that we start to deal with pretty quickly. There's, uh, meanwhile, look, I'm getting close to people and I'm odd, but how long can that go on? Like, who's going to figure it out? Is somebody going to figure it out? It's, uh, there's, and, and Chris does a great job of putting uh, different balls in the air. Like, he doesn't make it easy uh, for himself or for the characters. Which is fantastic. I, it's tough watching shows sometimes where you, where you see the writing give themselves a break, and they're like, oh, yeah, I guess you can kind of say that. The logic gets bent a little bit, but he he keeps throwing more problems in front of these guys, like who the guy is that my alien took over. He had a life, and that comes knocking at some point, and he's got to deal with that. Too, and he doesn't know anything about it. Like, oh, huh? And yeah, there's there's a, there's a lot of things coming. Did, did you try to contribute to this script? I know sometimes in collaborative projects, people kind of chime in and they make make tweaks. Right. Um, a little only in you know contributing to my character. You know, an actor. And the way an actor looks at a script is different from how a writer looks at a script. You know, you put once you put on the character what the character wants, you're 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 following different different things in the story when you're following only one story. So I'll find things that I'll say, wait a second, I said this here and then six pages later I say this. It's usually subtle differences. They're usually subtle differences in, in phrasing of something that makes that maintains a truth throughout. So He's open to that. And then also, I can say, look, there's a punchline here. It's an obvious joke, and there's a payoff here. I've got three pitches on that payoff. Can I say this? Can I say this? Can I say this? And then he's way open to that. And you saw it in the pilot, the beatbox thing with the sheriff and his deputy. That was not in the script. Oh, and that was not in the script at all. That was something that they were like, oh, you can do that? That's great. Well, we have to put it in the show then. Like, really? And it, it is so part of the character of the show. Like, when I watched it, I'm like, if I wasn't in the show, that moment, I would have to watch this show from, from this point on to see those types of oddball things. So I'm sure it's going to continue to be encouraged to find our own eccentricities, you know, how they can exercise within the characters. Yeah. How did you prepare for this role? I read a book called Community. That didn't really do much for me, although it does make me believe in aliens. <laughs> if you know this book, aliens are real, okay, so just know that. You can read a book called Community. It's tough to get, but aliens are real. Um, and then just trying to figure out how to how to move, how to talk, how to walk, how much, how aware is he? How good is he at pretending to be an, a human? You know, finding that line to where he's not too Starman. You remember Starman with Jeff Bridges? It was so uncomfortable watching him. <laughs> he had, like, he, he was so true to a being that's using a human body as a machine. Inhale now, exhale now. 
I just wanted him to get a lozenge or something the entire movie. <laughs> so I didn't want to go to Starman. Uh, but I didn't want him just to be suddenly really good at being human. Thank you, guys. Yeah, it seemed like, it seemed like a cheat. So it was just working with uh, our director and Chris to find what that... The balance. Yeah, the balance. Thank you. Next, we talked to Corey Reynolds, who plays Sheriff Mike, and asked him the very important question, if Sheriff Mike was real, would you have a beer with him? Good afternoon, everyone. We are gathered here today. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Feels like one of those meetings. Like, I'm gonna, the documentary. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What's going on? You know, so you have a background with a lot of drama-based projects, lots of historical-based projects, and then you have this. Mm-hmm. So, how jarring or non-jarring was that to kind of be placed in this world? It was refreshing as hell. Uh, there's there's a freedom to this project um, that I personally haven't experienced since. Wow, I don't know. I'd have to probably go back to my theater days. Um, I, um, I, 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 this this jumped out to me immediately because it was so unique, and, and I felt like Sheriff Mike was such a um, underrepresented character for uh, on television. I don't know if there's ever been a, a black character like him on television. I, um, I kind of see him as I've told other people. I see him as kind of a mashup of Richard Pryor and John Wayne. You know what I mean? So that that's the needle I'm trying to thread. You know, with my performance, but. Um, that's how I kind of see him, and, and um, I think that he's, um, he's he's probably one of my favorite characters I've ever been able to portray, ever, actually. And we've only done the pilot, but I've read 102 and 103, and there's uh, I like this guy. I like him. He, he's not always likable, but, you know, with with other projects that I've been on, I've always tended to be the nice guy, the... the um, goody two-shoes of sorts and so to be able to step out of that realm and um, I don't know not have any rules regarding how he can be uh, is nice I enjoy it for the, uh, the first time you all came together to shoot the pilot be it for a table read or a rehearsal what were the most surprising things that your fellow cast members brought to the equation to, to bounce off your character yeah um, everybody was so good um, I think that when we did our first table read, it was better than when I read it in my head. Um, also, you know, everybody's performance is so um, kind of spot on for these characters. I mean, Alan, one of the hardest parts with, with, with shooting this pilot with him was, was not laughing. You know what I mean? Like, some of his mannerisms and the things that he does, and there was a lot of spontaneity as well, you know, like in the scene in the morgue where, you know, I'm sitting there and I fold my arms and then he's like he killed himself and I'm like well why would he do that and he just like mimicked what I was doing you know what I mean we didn't rehearse it or anything but then he kind of shook his head a little bit I don't know I wasn't here and I was just like in the moment you know I, I, I'm glad they didn't have my coverage because I was cracking up because there's so many the subtle the subtle little things that he does that make uh, Harry feel alien uh, are just are just brilliant, you know. He's 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 a unique talent, and giving a unique performance with a unique character, and it all works. Like I said on stage, we're all just the right amount of weird, you know. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the background, Sheriff Mike? Let me see. 
based on how much I know and how much I know I can say. Um, he is not originally from Colorado. Uh, he, from what I understand, um, became sheriff um, probably within the last year, year and a half, uh, and was working as an officer before then, before, and I hope I'm getting this right. If I'm getting this wrong, someone I'm sure will say so. Uh, but that sheriff, something happened to the, the previous sheriff. I don't know if we're going to get into that, but he ran for sheriff and basically, I think, threatened everyone to vote for him. <laughs> That's how he ended up kind of getting the job. And I think people feel safe with him because of his bravado uh, of sorts. Um, and I think he's deeply suspicious of everyone. I think that he, he doesn't trust anyone. Uh, not his deputy, not Harry, not anybody. I think he thinks everyone's up to something. It's just a matter of time before you figure out what it is. Is everybody up to something? Are we? Everybody got so everybody got a, a cemetery in their closet. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody, everybody knows where the bodies are buried. Uh, no, I think I, I think some people are clearly up to something. Um, but I think what's cool about about this particular project is that the audience knows more than we do. It's not too often where the characters on the show are less informed than what the audience. The audience knows who Harry is. They know why he's here. They know he's an alien. Um, we. And what I think is great about the grounding of it in the real world is it doesn't matter how weird someone is, no one would ever suspect they're an alien. So all of the town people are well within the, the, the parameters of reality to just see him as being weird or odd. Maybe he's on the spectrum. Maybe we just don't understand him. Um, but you guys, the audience, know that, no, actually, he's a psychopathic alien hell-bent on destroying all of humanity, you know, uh, which I think gives an interesting place to watch the show from. Um, and the thing I also really like about it, and you'll see in the future episodes, is um, watching uh, Harry and the people here in the town get pigeonholed in these situations where you think to yourself, oh, God, how is this going to play out? How are they going to... But we always find a way that is uh, plausible to bring um, bring everything to a resolution. You know, um, I, I like to, to use the Breaking Bad comparison in sorts with that because there were so many times watching that show that I was just like, oh my God, how is this going to fucking play out? Oh geez, oh geez. And then something would happen. None of the things that I expected to happen, but something would happen that somehow shifted the dynamics of that moment and. There was never a moment there that I was like, man, that's some bullshit. That wouldn't yeah. happen, man. And hopefully, that's what I feel like people will feel when it comes to this. We're going to create some tense moments, uh, but they work themselves out in a way that, or don't. Maybe they don't work out, actually. But it resolves its, itself in a way that feels believable and organic and plausible. Yeah. This project shift your thinking on what sci-fi as a genre is, and also you have a lot of deep history in sci-fi yourself. Well, I love sci-fi. I'm I'm a big superhero, you know, nerd, video gamer guy. Anyway, um, so you know, first of all, I think there are aliens. I think we'd be insane to think that there aren't aliens somewhere out there. There's just mathematically speaking, there's too many possibilities for for it to exist. Um, but, you know, I think the thing that keeps us separated is interstellar travel, intergalactic travel, the amount of time that it would take to do this, the speed needed. Do you have the technology to protect your ship when traveling like that? You know, um, and that may be the only thing that keeps us from being able to connect. 
Um, I mean, cause I think Alpha Centauri, the next closest star is still like, I don't know. Yeah, it's like eight or nine or 10 light years away from here. And that's traveling at 189,000 miles per second. Um, you know, which we can't reach those speeds. So um, it'd be impossible for humans uh, to make it to another star unless you can create something that moves faster than the speed of light, which we don't know, and or can create a wormhole or something that allows you to jump from one side to the other and not have to traverse that expansive space. But I will say this, if aliens do come here, we're fucked. <laughs> because um, that means they've mastered all of that. That means that they have an understanding of technology that far is far beyond all of ours. And no one ever shows up on your doorstep to give you a better life. You know what I mean? So if they do come, uh, yeah, we're done. We're done. It's over. Thank God there's only one Harry. So, for now. So if aliens did show up and showed up on set and either you or one of your castmates could get abducted, what, who would, who would, would you I give send? yourself or would you give someone else? I ain't going with them. No, <laughs> man, are you kidding me? I'd be like, uh, nah, you want that guy over there. Um, who would I send? Oh, man, I don't want to say who I would, I would send. Um, we won't tell anyone, we Yeah, microphones and cameras. We won't say a word. It's just a secret. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know that I'd send anyone uh, uh, from our cast. I can think of a few people on Earth I'd like to send uh, with them. Uh, but... No, nobody from the cast. I'm going to keep everybody from the cast. They're, they're, we're, we're a good group. We're a good group. I like everybody. So, uh, But if they do, if they were to show up, we're, we're just, we're done. It's over. They're not coming, they're not coming all this way to say hi. Uh, and neither is Harry. Uh, he didn't come all this way to say hi. He came here with a mission. And I think that any alien that would be coming here would be coming here with a mission. They didn't randomly find Earth. They know what's here. There's something they want or something they need, and if they can get here, there's nothing we're going to be able to do to stop them from doing what they want. So, you know, <laughs> fingers crossed they don't show up, right? Unless you know? they come with the right TV. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. I mean, if you think about it, television signals have been beamed out in space for decades now. Uh, I don't know if they, w and, and, and yeah, those, those uh, radio waves or, or television waves move at the speed of light as well. So. You're talking the turnaround between, I mean, we've been beaming signals out there since maybe the late 50s. So this is, this, there's been enough time for some of the closer stars for a signal to make it there, them to receive it and send something back. Uh, but that's another thing about, you know, connecting with aliens is just the time. Time is the, the dimension that, you know, um, that space-time thing is a motherfucker because... You know, it's the years. You can't. There's nothing you can do about it unless you can stop the aging process. But um, yeah, they, unless aliens live for a thousand years, I mean, if if you can live to be 900 years old, yeah, you can get around pretty well. You know, uh, but that ain't us. Uh, and, and if motherfucking coming here is 900 years old, man, like <laughs> gonna be. We're gonna be sure Mike's reaction be once he found out. Do you think with uh, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. God damn it! I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I think that's exactly what he would say. Um, I knew it, and all of you need to acknowledge that I knew it, and all of you need to say I was right. I think that's what what Sheriff Mike would be uh, coming in with. Yeah. Would you have a beer with Sheriff Mike? Would I have a beer with Sheriff Mike? Yeah, I would have a beer with Sheriff Mike. I probably find him pretty funny. Uh, I don't. I think that the thing about him is he doesn't see himself. Um, as a caricature, um, he sees himself as the saving grace for patients, uh, Colorado. Um, 
but yeah, I, I would definitely love to sit down with him and hear some of his stories. Uh, he's, a, he's an interesting cat. We got some fun stuff coming up for him, so I'm pretty excited about where all this is going. All right. Thank you, guys. Thank you for your time. Finally, we got to talk to showrunner Chris Sheridan and Peter Hogan, the author of the Resident Alien comics, about bringing the strange and unique Captain Ha-Ri to life. Hey, everyone. How's it going? I need to talk to you about a song. Oh, a song? Or? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Can you write a song? Not right, no, no, no. No, not right this minute. But okay. Okay, remind, we'll talk about a song. Remind me. Okay. Apparently, Peter doesn't like one of the songs. <laughs> okay. No, I'm kidding. How would you say that you find the balance between really light, playful, funny feel in the pilot versus the arc overall with dramedy? Does it stay that light? Does it. I would say. Out? No, I would say it's, it's the, the, the balance in the pilot. Does it stay the same throughout? Is yeah. that your question? Yeah, yeah, it does. I would say, if anything, it might. It might tend a, a tad bit funnier as it goes forward, um, but we'll see. I know that sci-fi really likes the fact that it's funny, and they want to lean into that more. Um, but I also don't want to lose sort of those deep sort of emotional connections because I think that's another thing that pulls people in. Um, and I think if you if you're just doing a comedy, then I think the show would start feeling like other things, and I think it's the balance that makes it feel a little bit different. So it's going to stay pretty consistent throughout. It might be a tad bit funnier and I think it's going to even if, in, with the same balance I think it's going to end up playing funnier as time goes on because once the audience gets to know the characters a little more like any comedy you know in the eighth year of Friends anything they said people are laughing at because you know Joey says something stupid and Chandler's standing there you can just picture what they're going to do next you know there's going to be a scenario where Harry says something and Sheriff Mike's in the room and you know that Sheriff Mike's going to have a reaction to it and you're ahead of it and you start laughing so I think the more the character, the more the audience gets to know the characters, the more funny it's going to be anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What about it? I love. I mean, I love the comics. I think Peter and Peter Hogan and Steve Parkhouse did an amazing job with that. I love the humanity of Harry. I love the fish out of water aspect of it, and I love that he's he doesn't belong there, but he's trying to fit in, and it feels and. and and I kept that in mind writing, and, and there's so much about it, we were talking about it last night, that even though it's about an alien, it's the wonderful thing about science fiction, that even though it's about an alien who crashes here, in some ways it's really just an immigrant story. I mean, it could just be a story about an immigrant who moves to America and tries to fit in and because and they want to belong somewhere, and that's what Harry's whole thing is, you know. One of our writers on staff, this great writer named Nastrin Dubai, who's Iranian and came from Iran to Montreal when she was a kid, said when they got to Montreal, the way they learned to speak English was watching TV. And so she really related to Harry watching Law & Order to, you know, to speak English. But I think, I think that is one of the biggest things that makes it so relatable to, to was to me, to, to other people, is his journey, his sort of human journey, even though he's not human. Yeah. Science fiction has always been great at reflecting social commentary yeah. for all these kind of things. What were the science fiction stories, be they movie or comic book or TV, for both of you, um, when you were kids growing up, that really spoke to you as to having that effect? That's a great question. Do you have a... Any? I've always loved science fiction, so I've been influenced by everything from John Wyndham and Ray Bradbury through Roger Zelazny, Ursula Le Guin, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, people ask me a lot about 
things that might have influenced Resident Alien, and the, the two I always mention are... Um, it's probably a mixture in my head of The Man Who Fell to Earth and My Favourite Martian. Yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah, I was a big... Uh, I was a huge Twilight Zone fan growing up. Uh, Ray Bradbury, Illustrated Man. I mean, I loved all that stuff growing up. Um, and I... And then I and then I got caught up in other things, and and it was this comic that made me re sort of remind myself how much I love the science fiction genre and sort of get back into it and stuff. But now and then in doing it, and now rewatching those Twilight Zones again and, and just like being a kid again, I love I love the genre. Yeah. Yeah. In the creation process, um, particularly with things like this where there's source material, lots of times it's very difficult to balance between originality and staying true. Yeah. So how did you guys go about that? Well, it was hard. I mean, I, I just met Peter last night for the first yeah. time. Um, I was terrified going through it of what Peter would think of it. I was, yeah, I, I love the comics, but I also knew I had to change them because it's TV, you know, and, and if there was any chance that this had of getting picked up, I knew what it needed. I've been in TV for 27 years now, and I just, I knew what the show needed for it, and I knew, with that, I knew I had to make some changes from the comic. And I was, I was, I was afraid of, of what Peter would think. Um, so I wrote the script, and I tried to be really true to this, the sense of Harry and the humanity in him, and as many of the other elements as I could pull, I tried to pull. Um, and we pulled a lot. I mean, a lot of the storylines in the first season are from that, those first comics, and, um, and a lot of the characters are from that. But ultimately, you have to make a decision, and you know, the goal is to sort of make the best TV show and be respectful of the comic. So I was, uh, I was relieved to find out that Peter was finally okay with it. He was the one person I really cared about pleasing. I was gonna say, how did you feel when you saw certain things being tweaked or changed? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I was very nervous the first time I sat down to watch the pilot. Um, and after about 10 minutes, I sort of started to relax and, and enjoy it. And ultimately, yeah, Chris has done his own thing with it. But it, I think it's, you know, you get a sense of, of Harry as being the hero, the good guy. Um, and uh, and I think the end result was very enjoyable, yeah. so, which is probably it's probably partly Chris and partly Alan. But, you know, <laughs> it, it works, so I'm not gonna. And your and what is your relationship with the comics now? Is that? It's strange. Um, having seen the pilot, I have to kind of like put the pilot out of my head in right. order to finish doing what I'm doing. Um, but. Um, but you know, it's a bit like the the, the George R. R. Martin quote, you know, of like there are the TV shows and there's the books, and uh, you know, some people will like one, not the other, and blah blah. But you can all argue about it on the internet because that's what, <laughs> that's what the that's internet's cool. for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. What's the most difficult thing you guys think will be from uh, the most difficult moment for uh, to translate from the comics to television? or the most awkward kind of thing to, to bring from the comics? It's a good question. I mean, if it's really difficult or awkward, I probably won't bring it from the comics. But I'm trying to think if there's something that's difficult or awkward that I brought, even though it was awkward. Maybe you're just that good. And you got it. No, 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 no. I mean, there's... <laughs> no, I mean... You know, one of the, I don't know if this equates. I mean, Harry himself was a, was a difficult, awkward... It would have been easier in many ways if I could have done Harry the way Peter did Harry in the comic and have Harry look like an alien. 
that was a difficult decision, and I don't think I had a choice, but it, it's, the logic of it is a little bit awkward, you know? It was very clean the way it was in the comic, where... But the advantage of doing it the way I did it in the comic, where you see him as an alien all the time, is you've got an alien on every page. Right. So it can be quite, it can be very quiet and very domestic, but there's an alien. Yeah. You know. So um, and it adds a layer of comedy yeah. immediately to yeah. that, because yeah. if an alien is having a straight conversation, it's funny anyway. It's an alien. And we did think at the start about like, shall we go back and forth? And I, I just thought, no, you can do that on TV, but in right. the comic, it would just be right. a mess. Yeah. So the the problem with it with having a character on TV that's all always an alien is, from a production standpoint, it's incredibly expensive. Um, and also on TV, the way that audiences connect with characters is through the actor playing them. And so it was clear right away that, an, that, that a, an actor had to play uh, Harry. And then it's like, okay, well then how do, you, how do you remind the audience that this actor is an alien? So we came up with the, the reflection thing where for the audience, we see his reflection in the mirror like, yeah, it's, it's funny seeing Harry sort of sniff the kidney, whatever it is. It's funnier to see an alien do it, so you try to do those mirror reflections as part of it. Um, but yeah, that was a that was a difficult thing. And then the logic behind him transforming—it was easy, simple in the comic in a, in a very smart way, where you see him as an alien, but you know he's putting out an energy of some sorts that people see him as a human. I think, right? Yeah. In some way. Um, this is a little different because we see him transform, and then getting around the logic of Max seeing him and finding the right verbiage to explain, well, one in a million can see through my molecular transformation. I think the audiences are pretty savvy and they sort of get on board and they make certain buys and understand it. Uh, in, the com in, the, uh, in the pilot, when we were getting those questions, wait, how can Max see him? We would always use the example of, well, when David Banner turns in, or David Bruce Banner turns into uh, the Incredible Hulk, why do his pants still fit him? You know, I mean, wouldn't they? Wouldn't those rip off as well? He shouldn't be naked, you know. But the audience sort of, audience sort of says, yeah, he needs pants, so we get yeah. it. You know, it's a little bit like that. So quantum leap, where kids can see. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I love that show. I love quantum leap. Yeah, yeah, that's right. How much of Harry's backstory will we really see um, in the series itself, and will we learn more pieces of his secret mission that he has? Yes. Coming here. Yeah, we'll see both. I mean. We'll see. Uh, we'll we'll trickle out some information about his backstory as the season goes on, and we'll we'll find out. Yeah, we're creating a mythology about his people, whether they've been here before, whether they haven't been here before. What are they up to? Why they're doing what they're here to do? And that will play out. That's part of the first season. First season human arc is this murder in town of Sam Hodges that is a problem whether this alien comes in or not. And then the alien arc is that. Alien, Harry's on a mission. He's got to find this thing to do his device, complete his mission. All the while, he's slowly sort of learning more about these humans. And you ask the question, you know, will he get to a point where he's human enough where he doesn't want to complete his mission? So that's sort of the arc for that. And we'll, that'll play out for the first season. Yeah. Thank you very Great. much. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for coming and taking the time. If you enjoyed those but want to actually watch the interviews, we'll be posting them on our YouTube channel, so keep an eye out. Please rate and subscribe there and wherever you get your podcasts, and let us know what you think about Resident Alien on Twitter at GeekPrimeX, on Instagram at Geek.Prime, and check out our site anytime at geek-prime.com.